0: hannibal from fico finesse i'm the executive director welcome to fico finesse fm welcome to the finlit forum i am here with sheree hey
1: good how
0: are you i'm doing great i'm always happy to hear from you you're very knowledgeable my customers love you and the insight that you give uh tell everybody a little bit about yourself
1: so my name is sheree holloway And I am a mortgage loan originator, a branch manager with Nation Mac Mortgage here out of the uh, great state of Texas down in San Antonio. And uh, I've been helping people with home ownership for going on 17 years now. Um, And one thing that you learn, um, one thing that's very consistent in this uh, lending game when it comes to mortgage is the change. Um, Sometimes the information that you use when you bought your home 10 years ago, will not, most of the time, not apply. Um, And so I just make sure that I'm working closely with my clients, with their real estate agents, and anyone that has an interest in that transaction to make sure that they have all the information that they need, that I'm walking them through that transaction from start to finish um, to ensure they can get to that closing table with confidence.
0: Awesome. We definitely want them to get to the closing table with confidence. Now, we are in a very unique market and some people are frightened by this market or intimidated by this market. So a new home buyer that's walking into this, what would you advise that they do when things are going over asking price at asking price when this is truly a buyer's market? I mean, a seller's market.
1: Awesome. So that's a great question. So, you know, everyone's hearing a little bit of this and a little bit of that. The, there's a couple of things that are going to be really important when you're working in and um, in, in working to obtain a home find a home in this type of market first of all your team right so working with a great real estate agent someone that has some experience somebody that's really great at um you know writing good solid dear deals good solid contracts um and just putting you in a position to where your offer that's being submitted to that seller comes across as very strong right and so a lot of the times figuring out who that person is maybe you know who do you know this maybe bought a couple homes um, who's their real estate agent they have someone that they bought two three four homes with uh, that real estate is probably probably knowledgeable there's a reason that they keep going back to them and just looking for different referrals and different resources and just asking those real estate agents those questions hey you know, interview two, two to three of them. Hey, what are you doing to help your buyers, um, you know, get their offers picked in this market? Um, how long have you How long have you been a real estate agent? What ideas do you have for me knowing the area that I want to, to buy in, what are you seeing there? Um, you know, so just really interviewing the real estate agent. And then the same thing with the, with the mortgage um, lender. You want to ask them those questions too. What kind of programs do you have? How can you support me through the process? What's your pre-approval process looks like? How long have you been doing this? Um, And so on and so forth. So I always recommend, especially if it's your first home purchase, when you go and talk to a real estate agent or a mortgage loan advisor, they are the experts in that field, right? So sometimes just asking you basic questions, it may sound like, oh yeah, they sounded nice and they sounded like, They knew what they were talking about, but if you're not in the industry, everybody sounds like they know what they're talking about. So interview a couple of them, (laughs) interview a couple of them, I I say three, Um, and then go in, take the information that they provided, do a little research and determine who you wanna work with from that. Um, So that's the first thing is building your team. You gotta have a consistent team. The other thing I would say is to, to be willing to think outside the box a little bit and get creative. I know a lot of times first time homebuyers come in and one big um, thing that happens sometimes is people come in and they want the house that looks like the one that their parents have, you know, the one that it took their parents like 30 years to get. And um, so sometimes we have to help people like, hey, you know, we want to reset some some expectation because even if you technically can afford that size home or whatever the case may be. um, In this market, those really pretty homes like what you see your parents living in or, you know, maybe your friend down the street got last year. Those are the homes that are getting those double-digit offers, right, Um, where a lot of those sellers, I'm sorry, a lot of those buyers are coming in with cash and they're willing to pay over and above asking price. Maybe for your first home, you don't want to do that. There's a lot of loan products out there that allow you to take a good home with good bones that just needs some work. Maybe a home that doesn't look so good when you first lay eyes on it, but a, a home that needs some work, you can take that and you can finance along with the purchase of that property, you can finance the renovations on it. Um, and so guess what? instead of walking into a home unless it's a new build but instead of walking into the home where hey the towel is already picked and the you know the bathrooms are already um, already have the vanity and everything in it, hey the home may not look great at first, but guess what you get to make it your own. Right. the great thing about that is a lot of times you're going to get those properties undervalued, right because that owner just looking to get rid of that thing they don't want to do any repairs or you know what i mean this deferred maintenance so they have other motivations for wanting to sell it so now you're getting something to where once you fix it up it's going to be worth even more now you get to kind of uh, dabble in that appreciation right out the gate versus going in the other direction where let's say you do have the money right and you want to pay over um, asking price or be above what it would appraise for just because you want to win that bid. Well, now you're in a situation where um, even though the financing is going to be based off the appraised value, I mean, if you're coming out of pocket for paying more than to pay more than what it's worth, you're in the negative equity situation. If you ask me, so that would be what I would say some say to someone that's in that right now.
0: Now, you actually answered the question I was going to ask you. I was going to ask you about uh, which strategy you recommend for people regarding a starter home versus one dream, one's dream home. But you definitely, for the most part, answered that question.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this is the cool thing. When you go in and you use products like that, I think that sometimes when people are looking to buy homes, they're thinking like, oh, I'm about to buy a home and it's a big deal and I got to stay here for some years. You can buy that home today and and be gone next year. it's it's just because it's a home purchase doesn't mean you have to stay there really for any length of time it's it's just a it's just a purchase of a home just like you moved into it you can move out of it and move into the next one and i have a good friend of mine uh, he's actually a real estate agent and he always just kind of talks about you know looking at each home purchase as the step up to the next home purchase so if you can use one of those programs to get a home maybe at a at a decent price that you're going to fix up and now you get the benefit of that appreciation well guess what you just did maybe in a year or two you got 20 30 forty thousand dollars in equity to that when you sell that home you can take that and put that as the down payment for the next house because you didn't go in over your head to begin
0: with right that makes a lot of sense now um i wouldn't say ask you how much credit does an applicant need to purchase a home? Awesome.
1: So it's a loaded question because it really does depend on the program. And there are a ton of different mortgage programs out there, right? And um, everybody kind of qualifies for different things. Also, different lenders have different programs and different requirements for credit. Um, so you might, you, you know, especially if you're out there interviewing multiple lenders, you may get two to three different answers on, hey, what's your minimum credit score? because um, each lender is allowed to put their additional requirements on top of those investor guidelines, right? So whether it's conventional and and it's like a Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac investor or if it's FHA, which is, um, or if it's a VA, right? Or even USDA. So a lot of different programs have a lot of different requirements. But when it comes to credit, I would say it's this. And, you know, and Hannibal, this is something that I've kind of gotten from you too, right? It's more about the content. So you, you, you know, the score is important. You got to meet the minimum score requirements on average. Those could be around 620. Um, I've seen 640 even for some FHA products, but let's just say for the sake of, you know, today we're using that 620. You want to have some um, accounts that are good standing and open, right? So um, a lot of times on average, let's say if you're looking at some of the um, low to moderate income programs where you don't have like the housing experience or anything or something like that, sometimes they'll say, hey, we trade lines that that reported in the last 24 months, right? What's a trade line? So a trade line is gonna be anything, um, any type of account that's on your credit report that was open and active to where you had some sort of activity in the last 24 months, right? So, and and that's for some products, right? and then, or they may say, um, you know, it's not necessarily about how many trade lines you have. Um, what is the um, um, history on those trade lines? Uh, you know, especially if one of them was for, for housing and I'll kind of touch on that in a little bit, but were those payments on time? Do you have a ton of late payments? You know, is one of those trade lines, something that actually ended up into a collection. You know, what's going on with that? I would say when it comes to credit, um and and you're looking to purchase a home you just want to have your credit in good standing right so collection accounts we want to avoid those at all costs we understand that those things happen so if you know like right now hey i got a few collections on my credit you know, and and of course, I'm I'm doing this interview with Hannibal, so of course he's going to tell you first and foremost, hey, don't go out there running and paying those collections, right? right. <laughs> let's look at the information, and let's see if there's a way that we can actually get those items removed because it doesn't necessarily benefit you, and it doesn't. Um, I tell people all the time when it comes to credit, monitor your credit, know what your credit looks like, but don't go and start making your own, taking your own action on your credit to qualify for a mortgage if you are not a subject matter expert in credit or in mortgage because one of the big things Hannibal that people do all the time they come to me and they're like hey I'm ready to buy a house I'm super excited I've been working on my credit and let me tell you something as a lender (laughs) I get scared when people say I've been working on my credit. Because a lot of times, unless what they mean by I've been working on my credit is that I'm working with Hannibal and Fico Finesse to get my credit squared away, or unless they, you know, now that's one thing, I'm like, okay, woof, you know, wipe the sweat off my brow. But if they mean they have personally been working on the credit, Now I'm kind of afraid to ask, okay, what do you mean by you've been working on your credit? Oh, I had all these credit cards. I went, I paid those credit cards off and I closed them out. And I'm like, no, (laughs) right? Because when you do that, hey, if you feel like you want to pay down some debt, maybe because you want to qualify for some more home, for more home, or, you know, you're trying to um, improve your credit score based on your, your utilization, that's great. But don't be going and closing out accounts really-nilly because your score is going to take a hit because what you're doing when you're closing out those accounts, you're also closing out history. And history, or and or and I should say length of credit, is one of the factors into your credit score, right? So you don't want to be going out there and closing out if it's a card that you've had since college and it's just, hey, yeah, maybe you got tired of paying on it. Um, If you want to pay that bad boy down and use it once a month to get one ticket gas and pay it again, do that. But don't close it out. Another thing I hear people saying they're doing is, oh, yeah, I have this collection and I called them and I got an amount and I paid it. And I'm like, shoot. Um, And the reason for that is because just because you paid it doesn't mean they're going to remove that um, account from your credit bureau. Most of the time, they're not going to. Absolutely. And in very few cases, um, you can get that creditor to agree um, to um, remove it upfront, and maybe send you a letter before you sit, submit any payment. Okay, great. But that happens very few and far in between because a lot of times that's the other reason why you don't want to pay these collections is you're not even dealing with the original creditor. You're dealing with someone that has bought that debt um, for pennies on the dollar and now is trying to basically make money off of it by seeking payment from you so when it comes to credit um there's so many like roads i could go down but if i could give people one thing when it comes to credit if you're not the expert don't go messing with your credit if you know you want to buy a house whether it's now or in two years and you do have some credit concerns reach out to um hannibal for assemble or someone like hannibal right to help you with your credit sit down with a mortgage loan originator such as myself and actually look at that and say, okay, let's see what I actually need to do. Um, And if you really are trying to pay things down and pay things off to qualify for the mortgage, not necessarily, let's say your credit score is decent, but you wanna pay some things down or pay some things off because you think that it'll help you qualify, you don't need to do it before you get pre-qualified for the home, we can actually include that in your approval. So if you have a, a debt that's costing you $200 a month and I need you to pay it off because it's, you know, making your debt to income ratios too high, we can pay that at closing. And now it doesn't have that impact to your score and you still qualify for what you need to qualify within your debt to income ratios.
0: That's major. Um, I don't know if people knew that was an option. Yes. I don't i don't hear that too often so that was an incredible value add
1: yes yes don't pay anything off you can do all that stuff at the closing table and the cool thing is like by that point even if it is something that because sometimes the bank may even say oh well you got to close it out right but cool if you just bought a house that's your that's your big purchase for the year right there you really shouldn't be out pulling your credit anymore after that anyway your score is gonna take a dip you know it'll have a chance to rebound right You'll keep, you know, keep forward, pressing forward with those good credit-building habits. It'll rebound, but now you got what what you wanted, which is the house.
0: Absolutely. So I had this question for you. A lot of people encounter this, you know. When we have love, there's yin and yang, right? Mm-hmm. Or so if you have a couple, and one person has the income, and one person has the credit, how does this work? Woo!
1: This is always the one that makes me like... Ah, <laughs> uh, it makes me sad because I have people call me all the time and they're like, hey, look, you know, my my spouse is the breadwinner. And so we put everything in their name. So their credit score is actually lower than mine. You know, my credit score is actually higher, but I don't have as much income. So can we get qualified, you know, with just me on the application? And I can only use the income and the assets of the people on the actual application. Now, the, on, the the one way that a spouse who's not on the application can still help you is if it's like down payment. So you're like, oh, hey, the money for down payment is coming from my spouse's bank account. Okay, great. We're gonna get the documentation from them, have them fill out a gift letter, and that's technically gonna be y'all's down payment. Um, and it would be considered a gift because they're not on the loan. It's just the way that the paperwork is done but this is why as a unit as a family you guys got to be talking to each other about where is our credit right right now there's a couple of things i will say if you are in a marriage or a partnership to where one person can actually support that debt debt to income um the debt to income ratios are in line um they have a great credit score and they can actually support that debt on their own don't be afraid just to have that one uh, member of the partnership on that loan application. The mortgage does not determine who has ownership, the deed and the titling verbiage determines that. So you can still go on as a married couple with ownership rights of survivorship and all those great title terms, you can still go on together so that it's deemed that, hey, this is my home and my spouse's home even though my spouse is the only one on the mortgage i'm still going to be present at closing i'm still going to sign the deed i'm still going to sign the note because this is both of our property only him or her is on the loan so that's like in the best case scenario where maybe one person can qualify and why would i say to do that well because now the other person keeps their credit um, open to so that if you guys want to do other things down the road you're not leveraging both your credit both your personal credit right someone else can go in and maybe purchase the next invest like an investment property or maybe I have some other things that you're going to want to use credit for and now you can put it on the other person's credit but to go back to your initial question um, if if you're in that situation where one person has an income but then the other person has a credit we just got to get it together together. (laughs) (laughs) That's the only thing I got for you. We got to get it together together. So you both probably, um, you know, need to go. And I would say even still at that point, both go through if if, if, especially a credit repair program like yours, Hannibal, because what I like about yours and that's that's, um, really sets you apart from others is that uh, people are getting the education that they need to optimize their score so it's not just about what they need it for right now you know the the way that you're educating people throughout their process and giving them the tools and the information that they need you really should after um you know someone is once they're done working with you they should have credit scores upwards 760 780 and so on right and so if we can get everybody to that point in the household but now you guys are uh bulletproof right in that arena. And then also just even the money management piece, because that's a part of what you do as well. So now we're not only learning how to manage the money. So even the person maybe that's not the breadwinner, you don't have to make a lot of money to be financially stable. You just have to have good money management habits, good budgeting. And a lot of people don't understand that. So I think that um, you know going through it together um, it's gonna be the the big thing. You just gotta get it together together. And what I tell people all the time, if you and your spouse are not talking about credit or you and your significant other are not talking about each other's credit and where y'all stand, and you know that that's something that you're gonna wanna do down the road, you gotta start doing that now. Um, it saddens me when people wait till the last minute. Oh, I need to buy a house like right now. And we have to do so with these not so good terms because we don't have time to fix your credit and have time for you to go through that process because credit repair is not an overnight thing. There's no microwave for that. You got to go through the process and it can take time. And it really depends on what you have on there, what needs to be repaired, what needs to come off in regards to and, and who the creditors are, right? In regards to how long or fast that's going to be.
0: Absolutely that makes a lot of sense now um, I hear you say something um, we just say it in different orders Mm -hmm. income credit assets I I put it in a way that people can remember I say CIA nice credit credit, income and assets you know nice it's going to be all up in your stuff like the CIA yeah (laughs) they're going to be everywhere in your documentation just like the CIA
1: Right. Yeah, I like that um, acronym CIA. CIA. I'm going to have to steal that from you. I'll give you credit for it, though.
0: <laughs> <laughs> now tell us about uh, credit income assets. How does, why does this matter? How does this matter?
1: So credit income and assets, um, those are that's really the foundation of, of um, you know, getting through your mortgage process. Those are the three things that we're looking at credit. You know, obviously, you know, what's your credit score? Um, What is your history of making payments on time? Because uh, when you're going out and purchasing a home, right, you're typically borrowing, um, you know, a few hundred thousand dollars with $200,000 home, $300,000 home. And that mortgage company is going to be looking at how are you repaying money back to other lenders, right? So they're going to be looking at that and um, they're gonna evaluate if your previous behavior and how you've been repaying other lenders gives them confidence that you're gonna do the same. So they're looking at the history, they're looking at the payment history and they're looking at the, um, the credit score itself, right? So that's one big thing. Most lenders, most mortgage companies have some sort of minimum credit score requirement. So that's why that's going to be important. Income is important because we want to know that you have, um, you can actually afford to pay the debt. Um, So typically on income, uh, if you're a wage earner, meaning you get paid with W-2 and pay stubs, they're going to probably ask you for things like pay stubs and W-2s. Maybe if you're self-employed or have some sort of rental income, they may ask you for uh, uh, tax returns along with that. But we want to see how much that's going to help us to calculate how much you can actually afford. Uh, Typically on those debt to income ratios, there's a range depending on the product. Um, but in general, you're gonna somewhere around 41, 45% for most programs. Some of your government-backed loans will allow you to go up a little bit higher than that. But you want to even be careful with that because that's only taking into consideration the information on your actual credit bureau, like your credit liabilities. It doesn't take into consideration, you know, hey, I pay $800 a month in daycare or, you know, I you, my, my utilities are high in my area. so. You it once the you always want to have an idea in your mind how much you can afford as well when you're just looking at your overall budget because as a lender I may come to you and say hey based on your income and your your, your income and your credit because let's say you have a decent income and very little debt I may come to you and say you qualify for a five hundred thousand dollar mortgage but do you want a three thousand dollar month payment. Is there some things on uh, you know that you're not paying that you're paying for that aren't popping up on your credit like some of those other things that I mentioned um, that you want to still be comfortable for- with? You know, you always hear people say that you don't want to be what is it um, house poor? Yeah, um, you know, so you don't want to put yourself in that situation. So as a lender, we are going to calculate based on our standards what your um, debt to income ratio should be, and we need the income in order to be able to do so just one quick thing on income though uh if you're a wage earner a lot of times it's going to be based on your hourly or your salary or whatever the case may be but other things like variable income overtime bonuses commissions we're going to be looking to average that out for two years i have people always come to me and i tell them how much home they qualify for and they're like "Ooh, in my area that's not going to work but i can put in a bunch of overtime whenever i want Mm. Um, you used to be able to get away with that um but lending has changed a lot so really you can go work as much over time as you want to right now we're still going to have to average out the last two years same goes with commissions and bonuses if you're self-employed that income we're looking at has to be um, reportable on tax returns for the last two years for us to be able to use it and then so what do we say credit income assets and then assets so assets are You know, do you have the assets to cover your down payment, your closing costs? And sometimes maybe some reserves, Um, you know, sometimes for certain programs, like if you're purchasing investment property or something like that, the bank may want to see that you have, you know, X amount of months of reserves after your down payment and closing costs to be able to cover that mortgage in the event that, you know, something does happen with your income. Um, But really on that, we're just looking at the bank statements. We want those bank statements to be as clean as possible. We want to be able to look at your bank statement, and say, oh yeah, that's payroll. Oh yeah, you know, that's um, their rent payment. Um, one big thing with those asset statements is if you're doing a lot of um, moving around of cash, um, that'll kind of put some red flags up there on your, on your um, underwriting approval. They're gonna ask you to explain those things, source those things and provide the documentation to prove what those things are. Um, so that's another piece that, you know, you want to keep in mind too on the assets is, um, just keeping those, keeping your activity, um, regular, that's not the time to all of a sudden be throwing, you know, 10 grand in your bank account (laughs) without us in cash. Right. And and really the cash is the problem. If you're using other instruments, as long as it can be sourced, your letter makes sense. It can be documented and we know where it's coming from, what it was for and that it wasn't a loan. You're going to be okay there.
0: I love that. Now, here's another really uh, contentious issue. Um, When people are in the process of trying to buy a home, um, but their credit score is not up to par and they haven't given themselves enough time, why is it that disputes get halted in the underwriting process?
1: Oh, that's awesome. Um, So this is what disputes actually do, right? When you go in and you start disputing something, what you're saying is, hey, I'm the consumer, this, this information is on my um, credit report. I don't agree with this information. And when you go through the steps of making that, um, uh, making that um, known, what happens is that actual trade line is no longer being factored into your score. They're not gonna factor that trade line into your score until that dispute is resolved. So as a lender, when we go in there and we see those disputes, we're gonna go back to you. Ask you if the dispute has been resolved. Where is it on being resolved, and how quickly can you get it closed out? Because we can't. We need to know how that trade line's um, history being added into the score affects you. That trade line being um, in a dispute could take something out that maybe potentially would have your score to drop, or you know, to a part to a point where we wouldn't usually qualify you. Or like, for example, let's say you say, oh yeah, 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 it's wrapped up and I go ahead and say, okay, here's your pre-approval letter, go out and find a home. Then I go back in and re pull your credit, Um, you know, let's say 30 days later where the dispute has been removed and now that's in there. Well, now you just went, put earnest money and did all kind of crazy mm-hmm. stuff for uh, a loan that you probably, that you may not qualify for anymore. So for me, I won't even give a pre-approval letter if that dispute verbiage is present on your credit report. Let's get that removed and see where you're actually gonna be, because we wanna see how that account, once factored in, actually affects you.
0: That's awesome. That that was really, really helpful, (laughs) and clearly a lot of mystery about why that happens. Um, I I wanted to ask you, uh, A few other questions, but I really appreciate you taking your time um, and and coming here to to teach people. I wanted to know, are all lenders created equal?
1: Oh, that's a great question. And so I say this with with all love and due respect to to mortgage (laughs) loan originators, because let me tell you something. What we do, and I I don't think I've ever really said this, um, like in this type of forum, I think I've said it to other mortgage originators because we understand, but what we do is tough because um, every, just because I was able to help this one person this way, that's not, I, I can't help every person that same way. Every file every profile is different, right? And so sometimes as originators, to me, a good mortgage lender doesn't deal in absolutes. So Hannibal, if you call me and you say, hey, I got a 620 credit score, I got 30,000 in the bank and I make six grand a month, can you get me a loan? That actually sounds pretty good. I'm still not gonna be like, oh yeah, I got you. I'm not gonna give you that guarantee because once I actually pull your credit, look at other things there's so many different things that could come up and so a lot of times even just doing like this podcast right now i could go on and on and on about the questions that you asked asked me because a lot of it i could say yep this could apply but if this happens and if that happens And so a lot of times, especially for good loan officers, we want to do a good job for our clients and we want to set them up for success and give them great information. But we always got an error on the side that there could be some information present there that we don't have access to. And I could actually, you know, set you up for you know failure if I'm not actually like in your file, pulling your credit and all that good stuff. And so what I tell people all the time is this another thing is. Uh, a lender that maybe works for a bank may be different than a lender that works for, um, or will be different than a lender that works for mortgage company or credit Mm -hmm. union. Yeah, it all depends because they all also operate off of different guidelines. They also also receive different training, right? And then even just the seasoning, there's things that I do and I know now that I wouldn't, that I didn't do and I didn't know when I first started. I never say to people though, hey, come work with me because I've been doing this 17 years. Don't work with the guy who just got started because somebody had to work with me when I got started. Mm. Right? So what I always tell people is when you're working with Linderson, this goes back to what we said in the beginning, right? Ask those questions, interview them. Maybe the person that you like the most, because y'all just get along the best. Y'all y'all communicate great. Right, you like their personality. Maybe they are the newest person. And maybe you say, hey, I want to give this guy a shot. You can still sit down and do your own, your own due diligence and learn in the process. So that maybe if there is something that kind of comes up with your learning, you can say, hey, I read this. Can you check this out? Do you mind looking into this for me? Because you know what? If, if anyone that you're working with, whether it's a real estate agent, a lender gets offended by you asking questions or maybe asking them to check something out, that's not the person you need to be working with anyway. I am always happy to stop what I'm doing. Go look up a guideline, maybe seek counsel for somebody that has even more experience than I do. Um, so. No, all lenders are not created equal, but some of that and not all of that has to do with the experience. Some of it can have to do with the products they're offered. Some of it can have to do with training. Now, when I say that I'm going to answer this question with all due respect, when now, when I say, when I say all lenders are not created equal, what I'm talking about is the things that they can control. This business is tough because it's a lot of information that changes all the time and you got to stay on your toes. But what I do not think that anybody should tolerate is lack of communication, Mm. um, lack of education, and confusion in your process. If you have a lender that makes you feel that way, you need to go find another lender that does not make you feel that way because you're not supposed to. They are supposed Mm. to be the expert. They're supposed to give you the information that you need so that you can get navigated through that process so you can do what? get to the closing table with confidence. The confidence to close yes but you are not supposed to have anxiety behind your mortgage process and I'll if someone good. is making you feel that way you got to find you got to find somebody else that can help you um because they're supposed to be taking all of that off of you
0: so we're definitely going to need a part two um because in this generation we don't have the longest attention spans but this <laughs> information was very insightful i have a trillion questions to ask you as one of my favorite MLOs in the business. So um, I definitely want you back often, very, very often, if you can spare us the time. I want you to let people know how can they best reach you and do awesome. not be shy about saying who you are and how they can reach you.
1: Awesome, so you guys feel free to reach out to me um, and you don't have to be ready to buy a home right now. Remember what I just talked about? I just talked about, hey, even if you're two years out, you say, hey, I wanna purchase home in two years. Talk to me now because guess what? I can help you get ready now. So, in two years, it's a cakewalk, right? But connect with me. Um, my website is www.cherie, that's S H E R E E, the number 10. So, one zero and the letter K.com. Cherie10K.com. Um, You can go to my website. On my website, I have several different links where you can connect with me, whether you feel like you need a credit consultation to help you prepare for that mortgage or whether you want a pre-approval or just a mortgage consultation overall. And let me not leave out the people that already own their home. We should be looking at those mortgages on an annual basis to make sure they're in line with your current financial goals and needs. I have a link on there for that. So just come on in um, and let me help you and uh, you can reach me that way. I have my contact information on there, my email, my phone number is on there as well. So feel free to reach out to me and I'm always happy to get connected and not just for, you know, people that want to purchase a home or want to work on their credit. Um, Even if you're in the industry and you want to connect, you want to network, you want to partner, you can also use that same information to contact me. So www.saree10k.com.
0: I love that. And what's your social media handles?
1: Oh goodness. Okay. You put me on spot. So Instagram.
0: That's hilarious.
1: <laughs> I never remember these. They're on my they're on my 10K link. Like that's probably why I don't remember them. Because if you go, I can't remember Cherie10K.com so easily, but you know, y'all, I'm working on the social media. Um, so um I think my IG is at Sheree LaShawn. That's my middle name. I had to do that for several reasons. Um, And then I think uh, Facebook is the same. It's just Cherie.Lashawn, right? So, but I have those on that same website. So you go to that website every which way to get in contact with me. And I'm glad you mentioned that. Connecting with me, especially on Facebook, Every Monday, I do a Facebook Live that I call Mortgage Monday. So you can get in there. You can ask me questions live. um, And I'm usually just in there every week talking about a topic and just sharing some information to help people um, with those mortgage questions and kind of debunk some of those myths.
0: I love that. And I have one last bonus question for you. Uh, Mm -hmm. This bonus question is um, someone that wants to start a career in lending. What would you advise to them? awesome
1: so for someone that wants to start a career in lending um you know there's tons of schools out there where you can go and you know you go and you get your your license right but it's not that's not any different from any other schools where it's like yeah it's the book stuff but it's really not the practical information you need to get out and do this business in the real world Um, So what I would say is just like you would go and find um, a loan officer to um, maybe purchase a property. Um, See if you can connect with some people that, you know, may let you shadow them around for a day. I think the coolest question you can ask a a mortgage loan officer is like, hey, what's a day in your life look like in the mortgage business? You know, what do you do? Find some people that you know are out there that are being successful and and they're killing it. Because a lot of people think that it it comes down to the information. Look, you guys, you always have the guidelines at your fingertips. I don't memorize guidelines. If I need to know if I can get someone qualified for something, I'm just going to go read it. I'm not going to clog my brain up with thousands of pages of guidelines. Where you really want to learn is how are people treating their clients? How's their customer service? How's their communication? How are they marketing themselves? That's truly what will make you successful, even if you're one of those people where you're not even the best organized you can get an assistant for that and pay them well right they just earn every time you close a loan. Um, but that part I think is even more important than understanding like you got to have a general knowledge of the guidelines but they're always at your fingertips you got to be really good though with um, building relationships building partnerships connecting with people so if you know people that are out there that are doing that in that space Just, you know, following around and seeing what they do. There's a lot of people out there, um, you know, on Instagram, um, I follow, I have somebody that I follow as well. His name on Instagram is MG, the mortgage guy. Yes. And you know, I, i I pay attention to everything he does. I, I'm, I'm jumping in there when he's live. I'm listening to what he's saying. I go to his website. I use a lot of the resources there. I'm taking notice of what he's doing. And I've made contact with him as well, just as a means to like pick his brain, ask some questions. So, you know, maybe find somebody, even if it's somebody on social media that you, that you resonate with, um, and maybe that can just be another person that you follow. A lot of these people have YouTube channels where you can go in and get information. But you can really sit down and do a lot of the research and do a lot of that stuff on your own before you even go um, to get your license.
0: I love that. So thank you, Cherie. Um, Again, I am Hannibal. I'm the executive director of FICO Finesse. We do affordable and effective credit repair. Cherie is one of my um, most trusted and helpful partners. All of my clients rant and rave about her, getting them prepared to close. Um, It's a one-two tandem. I get your credit right. She helps you get the home. That's really why a lot of you guys come to me to help you get your home. So this is my go-to person. I really appreciate you for coming by, Cherie. And everybody, please do reach out to her at Cherie10k.com. Thank you very much.
1: Awesome. Thanks for having me, Hannibal.
0: You're welcome.